Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. All of our products were designed to fill a void in the industry. They were really designed for your backcountry style DIY guide. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. Today, we are talking with Velvet Antler Technologies. I've got Daryl and AJ. Uh, kind of founders, owners of Velvet Antler Technologies. So I'm going to have both of them just start with a basic introduction. Tell me a little bit about who you are. So Daryl, let's kick it off. Uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Okay. My name is Daryl Gogert. They call me their mad scientist, I guess. I get that a lot. Um, I started years ago with the Velvet Antler Preservative, Velvalock. Probably close to 20 years ago, I started building it and using it and uh, kind of grown from there and brought AJ on with me back in 2011 and we've been trying to build it ever since and we finally got it off the ground and going so here we are all right so you've been at this for almost 20 years but when did you guys start selling your first products september of 2019 i believe it was wasn't it aj 2019 yep, yep. 2019 was our official llc date and first product sold taxable wow but you've been at this for 20 years before you were really selling these? Yeah, there's kind of a lot of research behind it. And, you know, I've always been a, I guess you'd call me a velvet nerd. I always loved the velvet and uh, I just seen it fall apart too much and come apart on different animals that preserve different ways and wanted to be sure that I'm making a product that's never going to do that. So we held on to it for quite some time, making sure that everything worked perfectly for everybody out there. Okay. We're going to dive into velvet antler technologies here more in depth, just in a minute. AJ, go ahead and give us an introduction. Tell us who you are. First of all, Jared, thank you for having us on. It's been a pleasure. You and I have been friends for a number of years and, you know, talked about business and life and personal. So I appreciate that. Uh, to everyone listening, my name is AJ Pizzoli. I am a co-owner and a chief marketing officer for Velvet Antler Technologies. Daryl, as he mentioned, brought me on in 2011. Kind of a funny story. We actually met online discussing some antler sales and some other stuff. And Daryl had a great idea and I had a uh, business background and we decided to kind of take it from there and it's been harmonious ever since. Man, I love that. Okay. So let, let's talk about Velvet Antler Technologies. The official LLC date is 2019, which I didn't realize it was technically as new as it really is, but there's a, there's a long history behind it. So Daryl, you got started with the mad science of it, but prior to you starting and tinkering with like the science of preserving velvet. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you saw the need for that. How, what was the origin story before you even started the process of trying to preserve it? So kind of the origin story, I, uh, I was born and raised in the high deserts of Nevada out in cent North central Nevada. And I lived in a small town. I was literally a hundred miles from any taxidermist. And I just shot numerous deer. And over the years, their velvet just kind of dry up and crumble and fall apart, go away. And I, and I just hated it. So I started playing with things that I could mix and just spraying them on there and seeing what would work. And I found a good, good mix and started using it and uh, it held it together. And I got deer on the wall now that are 16 to 18 years old and they're still velvets perfect as the day I killed them. So Velvalock really came out of like personal necessity. Back when you first started tinkering with this, what were your options to actually preserve the velvet on antlers? Never even looked into it. I never asked because I never 
I, like I said, I was so far from anywhere. I didn't even know what to begin doing with it. Right now, if somebody shoots a velvet antlered animal, whether that's a, a moose, an elk, a deer, a caribou, what are their true options to preserve the velvet? I mean, is it is it pretty much you scrape the velvet and put fake stuff on, which doesn't look good at all, freeze dry, or Velvilock? Is that kind of... there? Some taxidermists still use formaldehyde. Oh, formaldehyde. yeah. Very, 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 very nasty, very caustic. It'll burn your skin. It'll put your eyes out. Just not not a great option. And the other problem that I see with the, and, and I get argument with this, but I'll put it out there anyhow. When you inject with formaldehyde, you inject down the vein line correct. of the antler, correct? So if you have two vein lines that are main vein lines that gather all that fluid, one on each side of the antler, Whatever happens in between those two vein lines, there's never anything gets underneath that membrane. And those two cure separately. They cure differently. It'll actually crack at those points in some instances because it's like pouring concrete against wood, right? They, They cure differently and they move differently because they're cured differently. So where that vein line is versus the actual membrane that hasn't had any formaldehyde under it, it'll cure differently and it will crack over time. Now that you're talking about formaldehyde, because I had actually, it's funny enough, like I had forgotten that that was kind of the solution that was being recommended. Last year I drew kind of a deer tag that I had been saving points for for several years. My target was to get a, a nice buck. I've never been a, a trophy hunter by any means, but I've, I've never killed a, a large buck. I was like, I, I set out a goal last year to go out and harvest a, a large mature buck in velvet. and I knew that was something I was building for for the previous couple years. And I remember doing research online and seeing how people would carry formaldehyde and syringes with them into the mountains so that if you shot something, you were injecting it into the veins, just like what you said, and kind of pushing the blood out, trying to get all that out and filling it with formaldehyde. I'm remembering that. And then that's when I discovered velvet antler technologies just in a thread like, hey, has anybody seen this, used this? And, and I remember the first time looking at that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is an infinitely easier and safer option than carrying formaldehyde. Like what you just said, cause I, I remember like you, you don't want, if you're doing formaldehyde, you gotta wear, you gotta have gloves on. You don't want to really be in contact with it versus velvet antler technologies, Velvalock. I think one of the first videos I saw, I mean, you guys are sniffing it, you're touching it with your fingers. I don't know if I saw a video of you dipping your finger in it and licking your finger or not. <laughs> is that true? Did you ever, did you actually lick uh Velvalock? I have numerous times. It does not <laughs> taste good, but it doesn't hurt you. I wouldn't suggest drinking it, right? It's going to not be good for your system, obviously, but we show that it's non-toxic in that respect because we want people to be able to share this with their kids you know, and that's kind of where we started this whole thing is we wanted to be able to say, hey, this is something you can do with your kids in the backyard and you don't have to worry about, you know, if you poke your finger with formaldehyde, you're in trouble. You're going to be sick. Okay. Early on, you had harvested some velvet bucks. You would bring them home and you would, I, I don't know if you're doing a Euro mount with them or if you were trying to actually do a shoulder mount and keep the velvet. But it, prior to that, you didn't have any kind of preservative on the velvet. So if you don't have any preservative on velvet, how long is it before that velvet will start cracking, deteriorating, drying, rotting? Because it is an organic material, so and it has blood in it, so it's going to fall apart. Right, right. How long before it falls apart? You know, I mean, it just depends on the state, right? 
where it was killed at in the process. So there's an early season buck and he's got lots of blood and he's really full. That stuff's going to rot. It's going to get bugs in it. The bugs are going to eat it. It's going to stink. And then the velvet's going to crack and fall apart. Um, if it's later stages of velvet where it's super hard, just getting to that point where it's got some soft and some hard, you'll lose spots of hair in places that, you know, and those kind you can't send those to a taxidermist for them to inject. They can't be injected at that point because the tips are hard, but they still have velvet. It's, yeah. not, it's not injectable. So it's in that state that's in between, you know, and, and prior to this taxidermist would say, well, you're kind of, you're kind of stuck and cross your fingers and hope that the velvet stays there in the rest of those places. Right. That's just where, that's just the size of it. That's, that's what, yeah, what they happened. didn't really have an option because they, they're at that point, they're not really finding a bloodline to inject anything in. Like everything is right. kind of dried up. So it kind of is what it is at that point. Right. So, and then we've even had them like I killed a whitetail last year that started scraping his antlers and then he just left the velvet hanging there for three days. I watched him on camera and, and that kind of thing, that kind of instance, a taxidermist is normally going to just scrape it because it stinks. It's rotten already. Just no good. There's no good way to cure it other than spraying velvet lock on it. And we have him cured and he's perfect. And he'll always stay that way with the velvet hanging. Okay. Now dive in just a little bit with how somebody would apply Velvilock. For best results, do you have to do it in the field? Can you do it once you get back to the house? Does it work if you try it a month later? What's the best way to apply Velvilock? So we like to have that Velvilock applied within 24 hours. That's, that's your, your big good window of getting the best cure you can get. After that 24-hour period, you're going to start running into some rotting issues and it's going to take more applications and it'll get the job done, but it's going to have take some work. And we walk people through it every year. We have guys that call and say, Hey, I found my buck two days after we killed him. The meat was no good, but the velvet's still good, but it's starting to stink, you know? And, and we walk people through that on, in the process to do it, spraying them, leaving them out in the sun and the heat. That's just your best bet to get them cured right away. Okay. So we're recording this podcast in the middle of June and it's for a specific reason. Velvet season is almost upon us, so if people are going to get Velvilock in their hands before the season starts, they pretty much need to order it now. I think the worst thing you could do is go into the season, shoot a velvet buck, and then try to deal with this after the fact. So you just mentioned a situation where somebody might be in the field and it takes them a couple days to recover their animal. Let's say they recover the animal. You mentioned that you may need a little bit more product or you might have to apply more Velvilock to that animal than you would say if you just harvested it. So if I'm prepping for a season, will one bottle of Velvilock actually get the job done? Do you need to have more than one bottle on hand? How much of it would you need for a typical mule deer or whitetail deer? Yeah, one bottle generally, depending on mass, will cover 170 to 180 lineal inches of antler. So not counting your spread credit. So, you know, generally between 190, 200 inch deer, one bottle will cure that set of antlers. I tell people to, you know, don't take everything we say as hundred percent gold, right? It depends on how you spray it, how you cover it, the mass. It, there's, there's a lot of variables there, but generally, yes, you're going to use one bottle per one big, nice mule deer buck. Like, let's say you do shoot a buck of a lifetime and you've got 190 inch, maybe a 200 inch deer. You're kind of pushing the limits of your single bottle. Um, you've thoroughly applied the Velvilock to it one time. 
would it be wise to kind of reorder a second bottle and do a second application just to make sure everything is covered? It's not going to hurt the animal for sure. That's, that's the key. It won't, it will not hurt it at all to have a second application. I would probably lean towards that just as an insurance bet against something. I found out AJ knows this story, but last year I had saved up points for a lot of years. I had a specific buck picked out. Um, it kind of got shot right out from under me on the opening day. A, a guide outfitter had been chasing the same deer. and it, I mean, it was a heartbreaker. I ended up running into that guide at the ISE show that you guys were at in Denver. And uh, I just asked him, I said, man, did you guys ever happen to get that deer scored? Um, you know, I was like, I've never, I've never had the opportunity to hunt a deer like that. And he said, yeah, I don't know if you're going to want to hear it. I was like, just, just hit me with it. So he told me it scored at a 212. I was like, man, that's going to, that's going to push the limits of a single bottle. So maybe if I'm chasing a giant like that, I need to, uh, maybe have a second bottle on hand. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt for sure. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I mean, I don't think most people have to worry about that. I mean, you know, one bottle should cover you because you know, your average deer is not 200 inches. So I think right. if people want to prepare for their season, one bottle ought to be more than enough. AJ, uh, I'm going to switch to you for just a second because we've been talking about Velvalock, but you had a bear skull when we were actually at the ISE show that was yellowed out. You know, I don't know if it was from a deadhead. I don't remember the story, but you've got a new product out. Tell me a little bit about that new product, what it does and the application of it. Yeah, for sure. So to your point, you know, you and I have been chatting for numerous years about several of our products and, you know, I, I kind of exposed you to our new product. It's called Bone Bright. So what it is, is again, all of our products are designed to be used either in the field or at home. So we designed this product. It's a skull whitening kit. It's a two-part kit. So first step is degreasing. As you know, with any animal, any natural occurring skull, fats, tissue, anything, there's going to be some residual. So we have a, a two-part system. The first part is a degreaser. So it's a commercial grade degreaser of our design where you uh, spray this product on there and let it sit. That fluid actually penetrates into the bone itself, liquefies any of the lipids, the fat, if you will, runs the fat out of there, literally pulls it out of the skull, runs it down the skull onto either, you know, wherever you have it, a piece of cardboard, a tissue, anything like that. Um, do that two different times, let it fully, fully dry into the bone. The second step is the whitening system. So it's a, again, a design proprietary amount for us that we've researched and we've utilized and tested multiple times. So uh, it, it is a spray on, it does come with two different brushes. So one is what I would call a one inch painter's brush. You can get it, you know, any hardware store, anything like that. And then a, uh, a much thinner spiral brush that you can use to get up into some of those cavities. So you spray on the product. I will warn and caution people that you do not want to get that on the antler itself. If you're doing anything like, you know, an antler deer or a horned antelope, anything like that, because it will penetrate that tissue and turn it to a, you know, a much lighter color. So what I do is once I've done the degreaser, let it fully dry on there. I spray the whitening system. It is a whitening paste that's in an eight ounce bottle with a sprayer top, spray it on there. Once I feel like the majority of that skull is fully covered. I'll pull out the one inch painter's brush and brush it on there. Now what that does, it doesn't help it necessarily penetrate any greater than just a spray on, but it makes sure in my mind that I get everything fully, fully covered. And again, it's nice. You can use those brushes to kind of get up into the orbital cavity around the eye. You can get it in the sinus cavity. You can get it, you know, in, in the, in the crevices and cracks of the teeth, just fully, fully coat that. And then once again, get it out in the sun and the heat. So most people know when you're whitening the skull, 
the UV light just helps kind of speed up the process. It brings out the whiteness of that bone and helps drain the lipids out of there. So once that's on there, do two coats of that, get it to the uh, hue of the white that you're wanting for your skull. Some people like them a little more natural, a little more darker, you know, having a little bit of the, the residual left in the cracks. Other people like them extremely bright. And if you do, you know, what's nice about our system is you get to choose. If you want it a little white, apply one time, let it dry, wipe it off, hang it up. If you want it ultra, ultra white, like some of your Euro guys do out there, you apply it two times and just let it sit out in the sun and the heat. Once that's done, you can take either one of the brushes and the towel and just kind of wipe off any excess left on the skull. Once you've taken off any residual flakes or anything like that from the whitening system, you're good to hang it up, display it, do whatever you want with it. It works on any type of skull. So it could be a waterfowl, a goose, a sandhill, all the way up to your big predators, your elk, your moose, and all your African game. Okay. So for somebody like me that has never done any Euro skulls, like I've, I've taken my skulls to have them beetle cleaned and then I've taken them and had them kind of boiled and, and whitened. And, you know, when, when I've talked to them about the process, you know, a lot of people are using some form of like peroxides and hair, hair type products, you know, to kind of strip any color out of the skull. But is this something like, is the bone bright system something that's more designed for a taxidermist to do? Or is this really designed for a DIY hunter that wants to kind of get into doing their own Euro mounts? So that is a great question. I will say both, but to be honest with you, we designed this for more of your DIY guy. All of our products were designed to fill a void in the industry. They were really designed for your backcountry style DIY guy that necessarily doesn't want to have to deal with a, you know, going to have a skull whitened or going to have a freeze dryer to preserve your velvet or whatever it is. So with that, you know, you can take that kit. And what's nice about it is you don't have to take the time to research what it is to whiten skulls, how you do it, how you degrease it, how you macerate it, what temperature, any of that stuff. We sell the kit complete. So in other words, if your son or your daughter happens to harvest an animal, doesn't matter what it is, once you have taken the time to take the meat off of that, macerate the skull, which means to boil it. And I want to preface this because there's often a misconception that you boil a skull. What you really want to do is you want to macerate, which by definition means that you want to simmer it. You want to keep it below that boil point. Once you start boiling, the heat at which you boil actually breaks down bone tissue and makes it extremely brittle. So for instance, if you want to ever potentially take a skull and enter it into the books, as you know, it can't have any type of fissures or breaks in the skull plate. If it does, it cannot be legally scored. So what we tell people is you want to simmer the skull, which means do not let the boil, let it actually boil. You want it to steam and simmer and loosen that tissue off there. Once that's clean, there's multiple ways you can do it. You can pressure wash it. You can, you know, take a brush to it, whatever you want to do and actually do the two-part degreaser and whitener. So to your question, it is actually designed for your DIY guy to do it himself, but we do have taxidermists that can buy this product. So we do sell it, aside from the kit that you'll see on the website, we sell it in two other ways. We sell the degreaser alone and the whitener by itself. So depending on what, what people want to do for it. And really, we kind of customized it that way because we did have professionals saying, you know, hey, I've heard your, your degreaser is you know, top of the line, there's nothing that can degrease the way that thing does and or the whitener, you know, it's a simple one step application, there's no mixing, there's nothing related to it. So, you know, kind of take that for what it's worth is, again, we designed it for you to take your son or daughter and help them whiten the skull and hang it up and display it. 
but we do have professionals that have definitely invested in this product. That's awesome. Like that's a, that's something where, you know, I, I feel like anybody that does DIY stuff, you kind of go down a rabbit hole, whether it's processing your own meat to taxidermy, you know, and like the more DIY projects you feel, start to feel more comfortable with, I feel like you want to tackle the next thing. And I do feel like that's a part of something I, I want to at least try at some point. The beauty of doing Euro skulls for me is I've got great people that do a fantastic job. So it's, I, I don't feel like, man, I've got to learn this skill because it's my wife actually just loves the fact that I drop it off nasty and I get it out of our house and then I pick it up really clean and beautiful and then she's okay with me displaying it in our house. So I think I think there's like a fine line there where she used to really struggle even with the meat processing. She did not want to have that in the garage. She didn't want to see it. She didn't like when I was in there using the kitchen sink, cutting everything up. It was, it was like, uh, don't do that here. She preferred me taking it to a processor. I think we've kind of crossed that hurdle though, where now she kind of sees maybe some of the benefit too. And she knows how much I enjoy that part of the process. So I think, I think that's kind of been something uh, where we've kind of learned a little bit of give and take, even in, in our just marriage and relationship and, you know, the DIY side of hunting. Um, okay. So AJ, you and I have known each other now for a couple of years, but one of the things I, I've been, I was fascinated with Velvet Antler Technologies, Velvalock product. And that's what I discovered about you guys first, um, because I was targeting uh, you know, going in and harvesting a velvet buck during archery season. Um, I bought the products. Unfortunately, I never got to use the product. Um, I shot a hard horned uh, deer on the last day of archery season in Colorado last year. And so I still have my bottle of Velvalock sitting. I did not plan. I didn't save the cape. So I, I had some hide lock, which we can talk about in a little bit. So the only Velvet Antler Technologies product that I'm familiar using is the head hauler. You guys created something called the head hauler that will attach to any backpack. I happen to own several different backpacks, everything from QU bags to Tenzing to uh, Initial Ascent, uh, Mystery Ranch. I have way too many backpacks uh, and I loan them out often, but I, I literally took mounts off my wall, attached the head hauler, so that I knew how I wanted to carry everything from an elk to a deer. And I wrestled them around, moved, and I was really, really impressed with the simplicity and the design of your head hauler. Your, your Bone Bright product, your Velvalock, both of those products uh, are kind of spray on. They're chemicals that they kind of have a reaction you know, with, with preserving or degreasing, that kind of thing. Then you have this like kind of a backpack attachment, almost like a, it's not a bino harness, but it's like, it's a different, it's almost like a different industry, but you have this product called a head hauler. You know, I don't know if Daryl or AJ, why don't you guys tell me about the head hauler, uh, how it was designed, why it was designed, how it fits in your product lineup and, you know, how people can, you know, use it this fall. So I, I actually, I, I sewed that thing myself i've sold the first three prototypes with my wife's sewing machine um that thing came to me out of necessity i broke my back in december of 2019 and i was sitting around at five months to sit in a chair and look at people hunting 
you know, it was January, February, March, April, May that I was sitting in the chair with my back fused. And I'm just looking at all these people going, man, there's got to be a better way. I see all these people with ropes and, and I've done it myself. I've been a guide for 20 years where you, you tie a set of antlers and the head and skull on your backpack on the outside of the pack after you put your meat in it and you take off walking, right? And you get three quarters of the way back to the truck and you know you're on your last stretch and the antlers start falling off your pack just because it's shifting and moving or, or you've fell down a couple of times and things move and, and now it's becoming cumbersome on your back, right? So I started building this thing and playing with it and figuring out how we could hold a set of antlers and a head and skull on a backpack and be able to attach it quickly and easily. The second part of it was I called around to a lot of taxidermist friends of mine. I say, and I just asked them, I said, give me the number one thing that you hate that guys do when they bring a head into you from the field. <laughs> and you know what the answer was? You're probably not going to know this. The answer was when they take a piece of 550 cord and run it across the nose of an animal, across the bridge, it stretches the hide, it pulls out the hair, and it's almost, it, you can't repair it. It's very, very, very difficult to repair. So we created this thing so that it's padded as well. And it just cradles the nose versus pulling down on the nose. So we're pulling on the sides of the face versus pulling down on the nose with it. So anybody that really wants to do a shoulder mount of using any type of full body, I mean, there's not another solution out there other than, I mean, you can carry, you put a game bag over it and kind of carry it on top of your pack. But if you strap it down with the ropes, like what you're talking about, as you walk and that, and that head begins to sway, you're just rubbing right through that fine fur across their nose, that membrane, that soft tissue right across their nose. And that's stuff that you're saying you just can't repair. There's, there's, no, there's no coming back from that unless you're going to buy another cape, exactly. which is going to cost you a significant amount of money. That and also velvet, right? I see so many people with a piece of 550 cord tied to velvet. And it makes me cringe because it will peel the velvet right off of the antler. And then, the ta then they, you know, a lot of people expect the taxidermist can just fix that. You know, you can't. So in this system, holding just the head, not the antlers, you're really protecting the velvet from the time you killed it to the time you get it to the taxidermist with your velvet lock and your head hauler. The whole thing is taken care of and protected the whole way out. Well, here's, here's my personal experience. Cause I, again, like I bought several velvet antler technology products, but I, I didn't get to test a lot of the spray on products, but I got a phone call uh, last November that a buddy of mine who's actually is a taxidermy guy, you know, he had gotten a big elk on the ground and was asking for some help getting it off the mountain. Well, I didn't understand the full story until I got out there, but he had shot this bull on a Tuesday and basically got crazy sick in the mountains and uh and i came out on the weekend and was trying to help him get out and he had not been he hadn't eaten since tuesday he, he was like i wouldn't let myself fall asleep last night because i felt like if i fell asleep i may not wake up and i was like why did you call me to help you pack an animal out instead of search and rescue and get life flighted out of here because you were not thinking right well it turns out he had a nasty case of COVID that he developed while he was out at high altitude and he was, his body was shutting down. So I went out there to help him get that off the mountain, but also get him off the mountain. And because we were dealing with that situation where it was even a little bit, I mean, it's more of a medical emergency than it is just like preserving the animal. But 
I was able to add three different packs of like meat to my big initial scent pack and then still attach the skull of that elk on the back. And there's not another system that I feel like is out there that I could have used to have carried the load that I carried, plus be able to bring the head out other than that head hauler. And one of the things that I was blown away with is as I was walking down the trail, even in some tight spots, I never had that head shift or move where it felt like it was slipping out or now it's slanted and it, you know I've got both antlers are kind of hanging off to the left or right. Everything stayed rock solid and secure. And I was like, man, this is a real solution for people, especially in the backcountry. When you've got to haul something out two or three miles, I've done the deal where you kind of set it up on top of your pack and kind of hold the antlers over the top of you. It's uncomfortable. Plus you deal with safety issues of a lot of times I'm climbing over deadfall and everything and your hands are tied up holding the antlers versus your system was significantly safer walking out because I didn't, ha- I didn't even think about it. And it, it got so out of mind that as I was walking, I'm just carrying a heavy pack. Sometimes I wouldn't be paying attention to the trees beside me on the left or right. Cause I just forget that I'm carrying a wide load with elk antlers because it's not shifting. It's not swaying. It's not in front of me. Like I typically would carry, you know, I'd, I'd bump into trees and it would brush me off the trail. And I'm like, Oh man, I forgot, you know? So I feel like that was just a big testament to the quality of that head hauler product that you guys make. Um, so I, I know we've kind of hit actually a couple of your products. Now we've kind of talked about Velvalock, We've talked about bone bright and we've talked about your head hauler. Uh, Velvet Antler Technologies, again, founded in 2019, kind of officially, but you have more than one product. Now you have more than three products. So what are some of the other products that you guys have and what are, you know, what are they actually solutions to? Let's just go right into the Velva Clean product. The Velva Clean was same thing, essentially designed out of necessity. So I've cured lots of sets of antlers. I have one set on my wall that's 16 years old that has velvet on it. And we started noticing little bug trails where the bugs chew on the hair, right? Up until 15 years ago, 18 years ago, somewhere in there, they used to use arsenic in tanning solutions. Well, they stopped doing that. In doing that, the bugs don't mind coming into the hide now. See, they used to not like that because there's arsenic that stayed in those hides all the time. Yeah. So bugs wouldn't bother them. So now I think a lot of people are starting to see this after effect of that over the past 10 to 12 years where we're starting to see hair falling out. And I tell people this, if you have hair falling out of your animal, you have a problem. And more times than not, it's a bug. Hair does not fall out of animals that have been mounted unless there's something wrong. If you start seeing hair falling out, you need to get take care of it right away because there's more than likely uh, a moth larva. Um, they have There's carpet mites that can get in there and they just stay underneath the hair next to the hair follicle and chew on the hairs. That's their food. And you won't notice it because they'll do little tiny strips at a time because they're traveling. And then you start seeing hair fall out. So this Velvet Clean product is made to be sprayed on, brushed in with the pin brush, let it sit for five to 10 minutes. If it's real, real dirty on the outside, let it sit a little bit longer. It'll help dissolve all the heavy oils and heavy dirts that build up on the outside of the hair, Yeah, which I'm sure you've seen that. Where it's even hard to wipe off. So this does a twofold. It will dissolve all those oils and it'll dissolve all the dirt. and then when that when you brush that product in with that pin brush it's carrying that product down to the hide surface with the pin brush and pushing it onto the hide 
those bugs will either die or they will leave because they don't like that smell of that. Is it, does it have a strong smell? Is it a human repellent as well? (laughs) No, I don't think it's a human repellent. It, uh, it has a smell to it, but it's not anything strong and it's non-toxic as well. So you can spray it in the house. So it, it, it will help clean the hide. Like one of the, I would say more common things that I've seen with like hides that kind of have that like buildup of dust, grease, nasty. A lot of times you see uh, mounted animals above a fireplace and you see smoke and you see other things that have kind of come up and will sometimes even discolor or you know, help build on to that, like just dust, cobwebs, nasty that kind of builds up over time. Have you applied Velvaclean to things like that, where it's kind of a little bit dingy from smoke and ash? And do you see a good result there? Yeah, we've actually had some guys that had used it over. I know a guy used it on a mountain goat over in Oregon. Same thing. It was just yellow. Wasn't, didn't look great. Just really, really dingy and dirty looking. And yeah, it dissolved all of that. And there, it comes with a towel and the brush. And after that stuff dissolves, that grease and those dirts and oils, it'll be, you can wipe it away with the towel. How often is that something that you would recommend applying to a mount? Because, you know, a lot of times when people mount something on a wall, they don't even think about it. That can be up there for years and years and years is kind of the idea of it. But how often would you recommend like cleaning a mount? Um, we We try to say every six months, you know, every four to six, depending on your mounts. Like if you have a lot of mounts, I would say four months. If it's in a room like where my man cave is, right, it's in, there's wood walls in here. There's bugs that like to travel through wood. So I would say every four months, four to six months, generally on average, you want to get them, keep them sprayed down and clean. Okay. That's something like I have never thought about. So that's actually good to know. Um, so that's, that's your Velva clean product. So we have Velva lock, we have bone bright, we have your head hauler system. And the head hauler system you make in two sizes, correct? Two sizes and two colors. We call them the elk and the deer, essentially. One for elk size, one for deer size. And then they come in either coyote brown or orange. If somebody were to shoot a moose, the extra large, the elk one, would that actually... Yes. A moose head is incredibly heavy. Um, Is it rated to kind of carry something as heavy as a moose? Yep, it is. Wow. Okay. So, Velvalock... Bone Bright, Head Hauler, Velva Clean. I mentioned Hide Lock. Hide Lock is something that I purchased because last year I was hoping to shoot my deer early in the season. And then I had a bear tag in that unit and I was going to use the gut pile of the deer. Hopefully just just sit that and hope for a bear to come in. And uh, my plan was to use the Hide Lock on a bear. So tell us a little bit about Hide Lock, what that product is, what it does and how it should be applied. Okay, so hide lock is a it is a hide preservative for fresh hides from field to freezer or taxidermy, whichever you're taking it to. And what it's doing is it stopping bacteria growth, killing any bacteria that may be in there at the current time, and helping hair set so the hair will not slip anymore. Um, <clears throat> actually, I just got a story from I got a taxidermist down in Texas when we just went to the NRA show. He talked to us there. Um, he called me after the fact he took this hide out of the freezer. This hide had been, it's actually a crossbreed of two of the spiral horned animals. I don't know what, which ones they were, but it was a white and gray. I believe he told me. And when he called me, he said, he's trying to flesh it and the hair is falling out around the neck and on the back, which this is an irreplaceable hide. You can't, yeah, one of a kind in the world. There's never another one like it. Right. Yeah. 
said, what can we do? And I said, let me ship you some Hydlock. We overnighted him two bottles of Hydlock. He said, what do I do once he got it? I told him, I said, you spray it on there now because your hair's already starting to slip. Roll that thing up and leave it alone in the refrigerator for 24 hours. Come back to it and check it and see. He called me in 24 hours. He says, man, you're never going to believe what happened. And I, my heart sank. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What, what happened? <laughs> and he says, he says, I pulled that thing out and all the hair is set. He says, I can flesh it now. There's nothing falling out anymore. He said, you just saved this cape. So time out though. You said this cape had already been frozen. Yes, it had been frozen. He took it out, started fleshing it, and then started slipping. Before he froze it, did he salt it or do anything prior? It got brought to him that way from wherever the hunting guide was down in Texas. They had brought it to him pre-frozen. So he didn't even know how it was taken care of, what was taken care of at all. So he was just pulling it to flesh it and it was already starting to slip. Yeah, he's pulling it out of the freezer and he's terrified because the hair is falling out. Yes. So the hair was already slipping. You spray this on and it's completely stopped that where you could actually work with the hide and flesh it. That is almost beyond belief. That's crazy. Yeah. And you know, I, I always tell people this, like, right, don't, don't take this as a fix all that you can, you can go out and create your own misery, right. And create problems and then hope that we can fix it for you. Yeah. We've had these cases numerous times where people have said, Hey, this really worked good for me because of it. And the same type of situation, right. This wasn't designed to be a abuse your cape so that we can try to fix it. That's not we want to get that done beforehand, right? So if the, if the outfitter would have had it, sprayed it on before he froze it, we have, this problem would have never arose, would have never known about it. But we do know about it now, and we know it does what it does, right? We got another case of a taxidermist. He, he met us in Denver, kind of skeptical kind of guy, um, <clears throat> bought a few products. He went to hunt out at sheep in Texas. He got down to Texas, killed his sheep, was getting ready to fly home, and he had sprayed that hide on his... We sprayed that hide lock on his hide, rolled it up, put it in a bag like we told him to. He called me from Texas. He said, man, I really hope this thing works. He said, because I just spent a lot of money on this out at sheep hunt and I'm stuck in Texas for four days. They shut the airport down. No way. Houston, Texas, that hide sat on the tarmac for four days. Yeah, I was like, he, he probably didn't have access to it because he was, nope. he checked it in and now it's on the other side and he can't yes. touch it. He can't touch it for four days. It sat on, at the airport in Houston, Texas. He called me when he got home. He goes, man, we got this thing out. We got it to the tannery. He said, I'm, he says, I'm not keeping my fingers crossed till I get it back from tannery. He called me actually last week and he said, man, this thing came out amazing. One of the most beautiful hides that I've ever had for an outdad sheep. No way. So totally saved his whole world, right? I mean, this is what we're trying to help people with. This is the problems that arise, right? It's a $29 insurance policy for him is what that was. Yeah. On a, on a multiple thousands of dollars of hunt, you know, he spent 29 bucks and got a product that saved his hide. So give me a little bit of like, you know, with the Velva Clean, I get that. You know, that's a, that's a mount on your wall. You spray it on, let it sit, you wipe it off, you, or you kind of brush it into the hairs and fiber and, you know, you, you clean it off. Yeah. That one... That one, the urgency, you know, whether it's four months or six months, you know, how often you, you get around to cleaning it, that's its own thing. When it comes to using Velvalock and Hydelock, both of those are products designed to be used in the field. Is that correct? Correct. So give me best applications. So there's some people that don't know how to cape out an animal and that's okay. Um, you can take the Hydelock, spray it on any wet surface you can get to, right? 
So you're going to spray it on the, on the inside of the hide, properly pull all the fat and meat that you can get off of it because you want it to actually touch the hide where the hair follicle lives. Spray it on there, inside the ears, inside the nose, inside the mouth, anywhere there's a wet membrane. So if you don't know how to cape an animal, that's okay. Spray it on the outside of the face and the ears and the eyes and the nose. All this is gonna do is help this thing from growing bacteria until your taxidermist can get it to cape it off. If you do know how to cape, then you wanna spray it on the inside of the face, inside of the nose, inside of the ears, everything. Roll that thing up, put it in a plastic bag and seal it up tight and keep it as cool as possible and get it to your taxidermist as quick as you can. Okay, keep that as cool as possible. One of the things, so that's the hide lock product. You're spraying it all on the inside. You, you, you do your best to get the flesh off, fats off, anything other than the hide itself. And you want to spray it directly on the hide and any kind of soft tissue membrane stuff, face, ears, all that. But you do still want to go through the process of getting it cool. One of the things that I think you told me that I was like, wait, how does that, I mean, how would that even work? You know, one of the major problems for people that travel and do these big exotic hunts, you know, let's say in Africa you know, they have days where it's 110 degrees, it's crazy hot. And, you know, they kill a trophy of a lifetime, but it's 110 degrees and it's high heat. And you told me some stories there where people have used this in high heat and it's completely saved a case. So that's, that's it. That's where it was designed, right? This through the whole testing process, I went to Maryland. So Maryland, number one in September has 90% humidity. Maryland itself is 90 degrees with high humidity. I killed two white-tailed deer. I caped them off. I didn't clean the dirts and crud off of them like I should have. I did this all on purpose, right? Because it was there in the testing phases. I didn't turn the ears. I didn't split any lips. I didn't do any of that. I simply applied the hide lock. I put two hides. I killed two deer. I put both hides, one in each separate plastic bag. I treated them, put them both in a plastic bag, left them for 10 days at 90 degrees in the back of my pickup. <laughs> I don't even want to smell it. I can, I'm like, we're talking over a zoom call and I feel like I'm catching the smell of it through this zoom call and I'm not even near it. It, that sounds so awful. Like it's rotting flesh in the back of a truck in a plastic bag. Funny part mm. is no smell, no smell, zero smell, zero rot for 10 days during our testing. That's crazy. So, and there's, there's a young kid. I like to give him a shout out. His name Diego Otero, main beam addiction. <laughs> I know Diego. So he uh, he did a test. He said, hey, guys, I want to do an independent test. I want to video it for you guys. Would you send me some Hydelock? I said, absolutely, Diego. Sent him two bottles of Hydelock. He took the back half of an antelope because his dad killed an antelope. So he took the back half, so the rump area. Yep. Split, it, split the hide in half. He sprayed half with Hydelock. He left the other side untreated. Put them both in a separate plastic bag. Left him in his horse trailer for seven days. After seven days, he pulled him out. The side that was treated with Hydelock, he actually has a video you could watch on his YouTube. He puts his nose in the bag of the antelope side that's been treated and says, man, there's no smell to this at all. The other side, he just picked it up and he picked the hair up and the hair just fell out. It was a mushy mess, the side that was untreated. So that was independent of somebody else doing it, putting it in a, in a horse trailer for seven days. And it had no smell, no rot to it after seven days. I love that. I love Diego's passion for the outdoors. What what a fun guy. Main beam addiction. 
I was actually supposed to do a turkey hunt with Diego and take my son because I've got a son similar age to Diego and we were going to go down to New Mexico and do a hunt with him a couple years ago and that was right uh, in the spring where COVID hit and everything got shut down. So that got thrown off and we never we never ended up getting to do that hunt together, but that's a super cool story. Um, am I missing any products that you guys sell? Did, did, we, did we hit your current lineup? I mean, since 2019, you've launched quite a few products, but We've got we've got hide lock, we've got velva lock, we've got velva clean, we've got a head hauler, and the new bone bright. And we also have velva scrub, which is oh, a yeah. blood remover. enzymatic blood remover. Um, we've been told by some taxidermists best blood remover they've ever used. It'll take your bloods out of your antelope hides where they can't be bleached, stone sheep, all your mountain goats. Then it'll take it out of your clothing, your backpacks, game bag. I have to I have to say time out on this because. I said the only product I've used was the head hauler. <laughs> when I came back from that hunt, my initial ascent pack was covered in blood. The Velva scrub, is that what it was called? Is that yep. correct? Yep. That was a blood remover. You sprayed it on. And I mean, you can pretty much just wash. Tell me the process of that, because I, I kind of thought once blood kind of set and dried, it kind of locks in. Like I have boots and I have things that have blood stains in them. Because like once that blood is locked, I feel like it doesn't really come out. But what's, what is the product actually doing that allows it to remove some of those blood stains? Because that's not an easy thing to remove from clothing. No. So it's an enzymatic blood remover. So it has enzymes in there that actually break down and destroy the proteins in blood and make them water soluble. So then once you've sprayed that on, you let it sit, scrub it in. I like to tell people, let it sit 15 minutes before you throw it in the wash or you try to wash it out because it gives that protein or that enzyme time to break down those proteins and it'll just wash away. Yeah, that is that is a phenomenal product and it will get your backpacks not only smelling better, but looking better. It brings them right back to what they should look like. I'm going to have to run because I've got to take my son to a football practice. I actually wanted to dive into even more of your hunting stories because both of you guys are our hunters. You've been a, a guide for years. I'm looking at you on a Zoom call in a room filled with everything from pronghorn to elk to, to mule deer. So this isn't just something where you thought getting into the hunting industry would be just a fun business to start. I mean, this has been a passion of yours for years and years. So sorry, we don't actually have time to do that. But let me ask you just one last question, because we do live in kind of this post-pandemic Joe Biden supply chain, nothing is available from baby formula to wood products to whatever. So are you dealing with any kind of supply chain issues where people might have a difficult time getting a hold of some of your products? No, we're, we're okay. We, uh, we got everything online and ready to go for the big hunting season this year. We'll be in full force. Okay. Best way for people to get their hands on Velvet Antler technology products? Online. Our web store, velvetantlertechnologies.com. And I do like to throw out there, we are always looking for dealers. So if somebody knows an archery shop, a sporting goods store in their area that would be a good fit for us, please reach out, let us know. We'd be glad to get in, hold, get in touch with them and get them set up with our products in store. And on your website, do you have a list of distributors, dealers? Like if, like I remember years ago when I was looking, I was like, man, where can I get some of this Velvalock product? There wasn't anywhere nearby. I think there was an archery shop up in Denver or something that may have carried it at the time. And to me, it was just like, well, I'm just going to order it online. But do you list the different dealers and distributors and their locations on your website? We're actually working on integrating all of that right now with an interactive map. 
So you'll be able to click on your area and see who's available in your area. So, but we're still working on it and plugging things in as we go here. Yeah. You guys are growing rapidly. So congratulations on, you know, some of the early success. And I know early success is always something where it comes with blood, sweat, and tears. And some of the success is just uh, grinding it out. But, you know, thank you for um, doing what you have done for the last several years of actually testing the products and bringing products that hunters actually need. Specifically, I mean, I know your products are built where they're going to work in environments from Africa to Mexico to Canada. Um, but for me that lives in Colorado, and I'm primarily a Western hunter, thank you for creating products that really do give you the opportunity to save the animals that you're that you're chasing because you know sometimes you're back in there five six seven miles and it and you can't get to a refrigerator you can't get to your vehicle quickly you know it can take you a day or two to recover the animal you know you guys have really created some solutions for guys like me um and so i just want to say thank you i appreciate what you're doing i love uh, the partnership and sponsorship. You guys were a part of several of our leagues last year. And uh, I, I know you're in the, we've got some hide lock in the on point experience league this year, which is the bear hunt that will actually occur in 2023. But people can find uh, you guys in the hunt league app. You're a part of some of our leagues. They can click on the products links directly to the website, but go to velvetantlertechnologies.com, order your stuff now, make sure you've got it in hand. Uh, before the season starts. Uh, one last question that I have is when you get the product, does it need to be stored refrigerated? Does it need to be, uh, is there a shelf life to the product that you would recommend? You know, like I, I bought that Velvalock last year. It's still sitting on my shelf. Is it still good for this upcoming season or should I buy a replacement bottle? No, I think you should be good. Um, up to two years. We tell people, try to make sure you get it up to two years. So you, you should be good for that. Okay. And then storing the product, is it okay to... Storing the product? I mean, obviously you don't want it anywhere you, it's super hot, right? I mean, super, super hot, cold's not going to bother it, but heat obviously expands plastic bottles and you could have bursting if, you know, sure. if it's too hot for your body, it's too hot for the bottle. I always tell people, you know, okay. it's not, not a good idea. So That's great. Um, all right. Any last words from AJ or Daryl from Velvet Antler Technologies? Nothing for me. No, I don't think so. I just want to tell you, Jared, thank you for all the years of support and friendship. And if anyone listening, you know, has any questions or skepticism, please give us a call. Anytime you call Velvet Antler Technologies, you will talk to Daryl or myself personally. We, we ensure that we guarantee it. And that's how we run our businesses. You know, not only do we provide stellar products, but our customer service is next to none. And that's kind of, like I said, that's, that's how we built our businesses. We're not just going to sell you a product and hope that you can figure it out. We are going to be here for you every step of the way. So if you have any questions along the way, before, during, or after, just give us a call and talk us, you know, talk through it with us. Daryl, you sharing some of the stories that you shared about people calling when they're in the middle of something and you being able to just walk them through that. I mean, those are that's a testimony to to the customer care and service that you guys have provided. But it's also really cool to see the feedback that you get because those become stories and testimonies for, for your brand. So I'm hoping that out of the Huntley community, we'll have many, many more success stories of people using Velvalock for their velvet antlers and using the hide lock for their bears, deer, elk, all those things. And, you know, all the different environments that we, that we hunt, everything from high humidity to rain, to high heat, 
desert. You know, there's so many different factors that go into hunting and I'm excited to see your products in use uh, and see, you know, what that looks like over the next couple of years with uh, the Hunt League community. Perfect. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything. Maybe we need to do another one of these and just talk hunting stories for a I while. I like the sound of that. So we'll, we'll get onto that here soon, but I just felt an urgency. I was like, man, we need to record this podcast because people need to know there's a few products that you need to order ahead of the season. I, you know, I recommended today, I sent out a, a message. I was like, order sheep feet. Like people need to get custom insoles. Those sheep feet have made a huge difference. I was kind of skeptical and like, well, how big of a difference? It's a game changer difference. And I'm like, if you want to do that, you need to order that now. Cause it takes six to eight weeks to get those insoles in. And I'm like, Velvalock is another product. Hydelock. Don't wait until your season starts thinking, I'll just get this later. It's like, now is the time to buy these products. So I wanted to make sure we got on, uh, recorded, you know, give people time to get the product so that they, you know, can read about it, watch YouTube videos about it. And they're ready when they go to the field this year. Right. I had one more thing to throw at you. You can put it in wherever you want. We have this question a lot. Will Velvalock work on early season deer? And I tell them yes. And I, I always give them the one example. There was a guy called me, I believe from Ohio, he's a taxidermist, had a 500-inch white-tailed deer from a ranch, ran into a fence and killed himself, broke his neck. Early July, early July, this blood, this antler was actually leaking blood on the exterior. It was so heavily blooded. And he used almost three quarters of a gallon on that 500-inch deer and numerous applications, but it cured that velvet perfectly for that time of year. No way. Okay. Do you have a picture of that? Yes, it's actually on our it's on our Instagram. Okay. AJ, I'm gonna I'm gonna task this to you. Can you get a hold of that picture? And I would love for you to post that on the Huntley community page. Just I, I wanna I wanna see that. The before and after. Yeah. I mean, nobody sees a five hundred inch deer. That's not like a normal thing. But then to be able to preserve that much velvet with that much blood flow, like a five hundred inch deer, I mean, you just think about how much blood is actually in those antlers. I mean, cause that's just growing. This is in July. It still had another three, four weeks potentially to grow. So that's unbelievable. So that's really cool. So even if somebody were to come across a fresh kill, maybe the deer that you have on your trail cameras that you can't wait to hunt actually got hit on the side of the road two weeks ahead of season. Like this would give you an opportunity. If you saw that deer, you could get out, spray that velvet and still preserve that animal. hundred percent. Super cool. As long as it's legal in your state. A hundred percent legal. As long as it's legal in your state to pick up roadkill, yes, the product <laughs> yep. will work. In Colorado, we have to call the division. You get a roadkill kind of permit, you know, so that is a thing. Okay, Daryl, AJ, thank you so much for your time uh, on the Hunt League podcast. Excited to see what you're doing now, but also excited to see what you do in the future. Thank you for creating solutions for us hunters uh, that are super practical and are going to help preserve uh, our hunts and memories. The Hunt League app is built around preserving our hunt memories and capturing these moments. And your products are really built around, you know, capturing these animals and preserving them and keeping them for a lifetime. So I love the synergy between us. Um, well, thank you guys. And uh, we'll have to schedule that next podcast where we can talk more hunting stories. We'll do that in the future. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jared. Sounds good, Jared. I'll see you up on the mountain. Thank you for joining Daryl, AJ, and I on today's podcast. 
I know we focused a lot on Velvet Antler Technology products, and I didn't dive into stories from the field. My hope is that this podcast would better equip you for future hunts and provide solutions to issues that all of us as hunters face. If you're listening today and have not created a Hunt League account, I would like to invite you to download the Hunt League app or create your account at HuntLeague.com. If you're an Android user, stay tuned as Hunt League is weeks away from releasing in the Google Play Store. I'm certainly biased, but I believe the Hunt League app is the best field tool available today to log and record the details of your hunt. Again, thanks for listening and best of luck to you in the field this year.